0: Uh, With those things being said, would you join me in prayer this morning before we dig into the scriptures? I'm just going to pray our uh, pastoral prayer that myself or the other pastors sometimes pray in the morning. And of course, you know, we kind of go through a rotation of things that we're praying for. So that's what this is. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning, we are grateful uh, to be able to uh, do this uh, live stream. And uh, Lord, we recognize that this is not the gathered church per se, but we are uh, this morning wanting to be encouraged from your word. And certainly, Lord, we would desire that in all the things that we're going through currently and all the things, Lord, that you're doing providentially, that you would be exalted, that your name would be made great in um, the world and that it would be made famous in the midst of our congregation, even in the midst of these things. And Lord. We pray this morning that through this encouragement, that people would be edified, certainly that they would be equipped for the work of ministry. And um, Lord, we do want this to be an encouragement this morning. Uh, I know I have felt the weight of not being able to be uh, out and about or with the people that I love, Lord, especially um, my church family. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged this morning by truth. And uh, Lord, that your uh, word would be a blessing as it's been taught this morning in this sermon stream, uh, Lord, we also pray that this would bring opportunities for evangelism in our midst, Lord, that we will proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ um, through whatever means you give us in these times, uh, whether that's conversations with family members over phone or uh, just uh, being able to um, be in, in FaceTime chats with our friends and neighbors who we've made in the past who we can't see right now. Uh, but Lord, we ask that you would use this time. I pray for our uh, medical staff in our church that are having opportunities to interact with people who are frightened, who are fearful, who have no hope, that they would have opportunity to proclaim the gospel in the midst of this as well. Lord, they're really on the front lines. I pray that you would protect them as well. Lord, um, we do continue to think and pray for our country in the current situation. Uh, we uh, pray that uh, Um, we who know Christ might proclaim him as the only hope in all of life. Uh, Lord, in our own congregation, that we might continue to serve each other. Lord, I pray specifically for those in our congregation that are struggling to forgive and those who are struggling to ask for forgiveness. Uh, Lord, as we just kind of think through our pastoral prayer rotation and the the matters that may be on the hearts of people, I pray, Lord, that you would um, help those who need to ask forgiveness to do do so and those who need to um, to forgive that they would be strengthened to do that lord we confess with the scriptures of matthew 3 17, 1 corinthians 15 3 through 7 first timothy 2 5 romans 5 6 through 11 philippians 2 5 through 11 and hebrews 1 3 that jesus christ the one and only son of god is the divinely appointed mediator between god and man having taken upon himself human nature yet without sin he perfectly fulfilled the law Suffered and died upon the cross for the salvation of sinners. He was buried and rose again the third day and ascended to his Father, at whose right hand he ever lives to make intercession for his people. He is the only mediator, the prophet, priest, and king of the church and sovereign of the universe. So we confess. Lord, we also thank you for other Bible believing, Bible preaching churches in our area. We certainly pray for all of those that are struggling to figure out how to minister well in this current situation. Lord, I pray this morning, especially for my brother Jonathan Farrell and for Grace Church of Morton, would you be with him as he leads his elders and as he leads his um, uh, church to uh, serve one another well in these strange times. Lord, help him as he, I'm sure, is going to be live streaming. If he's not already this morning, a sermon, give him the right words and may his church be encouraged by that as well. Lord, we thank you for those with whom we partner in gospel ministry here and around the world. I thank you for Wilson and Laura Green this morning and their ministry with Life Action. Uh, Lord, be with them, and I pray that they would be encouraged in this time. And may we remember our missionaries, Lord. May we remember to reach out to them and encourage them as they are certainly struggling as well. We thank you for the local churches of which they're a part, and we pray that they're encouraged through that. But, Lord, we pray as well that we would be um, an encouragement to them. We thank you for them. And now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that you would uh, help us to see what you have for us. We thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for, Lord, uh, the illumination of the Holy Spirit now as we study your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 5, we're going to be looking at John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. And yes, I have coffee this morning. I'm sorry, this is not gathered worship. I'm drinking my coffee. (laughs) So John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. The last time we were in John together, in John 5, we saw Jesus heal a man who had been disabled for 38 years on the Sabbath and that the religious leaders uh, were taking Jesus uh, uh, to task over the fact that he had done this on the Sabbath. But what really enraged them is when he stated in John chapter 5 and verse 17, my father is working now and I am working. In fact, John states concerning this in the next verse, verse 18, this is why, uh, why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling his own father, uh, God his own father, and making himself equal with God. Make no mistake, uh, saints, make no mistake, dear ones. Um, The the religious leaders understood exactly what Jesus was seeking to say when he said that he was working as he saw his father working. We're going to explore this a bit more in our time this morning. This is now what Jesus responds to for quite some time, uh, starting in John chapter 5 and verse 19 and moving forward. Um, and we're going to look at just a portion of this today in, in, in verses 19 through 24. I must warn you, what we study today puts us in the deep end of the pool. Um, but for those of us in Christ, it brings a richness to our faith and worship. And so this idea of Jesus being equal with God is a, a such an important theological point. And so I wanna make sure and let you know this is going to be um, difficult for us to look at, but it brings a richness, as I said, for those of us who are in Christ. And let's look at this together, John chapter five, verses 19 through 24. And um, again, we're not doing normal gathered worship this morning. We're not hearing an Old Testament reading. Maybe I need to add that next week. But here is a New Testament reading in the passage that we're going to be. John chapter five, verse 19, reading from the ESV. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Lord this morning. Uh, May the reading of the New Testament uh, this morning uh, of God's word be a blessing to you as you've heard it read aloud. Uh, I'm not going to do another prayer since we already prayed and yet we ask the Lord to uh, bless our time and that he might again open our eyes to what is said here. Well, if you ever wanted to say something but you're not quite sure how to say it, you're not sure that the way you say it is going to make sense to those uh, to whom you want to say it, or perhaps, perhaps you had the joy of buying a bicycle for one of your children only to open the box and realize it has to be assembled. Um, it's not like the the perfect picture on the outside of the box. You open that box and you're like, oh man, there are instructions here. There are things I have to do to assemble this thing. And even though you know what it's supposed to look like after spending hours using the instructions, it doesn't look anything like it should. This, in a very, 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 very small way, is the trouble we have fully putting together in our mind Trinitarian theology. We know, at least in theory, what God is in regard to how he has revealed himself to us. And we think we might be able to speak about it properly and be able to formulate it well with the right words. But in reality, it's very difficult. And even when we see Jesus, uh, how, how he describes it here, as he does in our passage, we are at a loss for fully comprehending it and are left with taking Jesus at his word. And, and so it's not that we seek to not understand it, dear ones. We seek to understand it. Um, and we do that because God has revealed it to us. But yet we recognize the mystery that is there as well when we think about the truth of Trinitarian theology. When we think about the truth that, uh, Jesus is eternally the Son of God that that he has never not been uh, who He is in regard to the unity of God as being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, classic Trinitarian theology, but even as we think about, there is no metaphor, there is no illustration that we can give. That will properly help us understand the triunity of God. The same is true when we think about Jesus in the incarnation. Jesus, the eternal son of God, taking on flesh, taking on humanity, becoming like that which he has created. Two natures and one person existing in that way eternally now forever forever. Um but uh, particularly this morning we're going to look at this relationship between the Father and the Son. So here's our main point and and, and Lori did email out to you um the bulletin uh, at least in a form of that in a PDF, so if you happen to print that off or um or just able to look at that, you can see this printed there for you. The main point is this Jesus clearly equates himself with God the Father in his works, his ability to give life, and his deserving of honor. And this has massive consequences on our theology, not only of salvation, but on our theology of God as well. And so remember, we're speaking mainly about the father and son relationship in the triunity of God this morning. We're going to see how the spirit actually, I believe, is mentioned in this passage by Jesus, though um, not necessarily um, in, in a direct way. Uh, but just how others in church history have formulated an understanding of, of the Holy Spirit and his um, person and relationship in the Trinity. Um, but, but mainly we're looking at that father-son relationship. And again, we, we want to remember that this is in the fullness of our understanding and mystery that we cannot grasp. But it has an impact on how we <clears throat> understand God. And it certainly has an impact on our understanding of our salvation as well. In short, what we understand that Jesus is doing here in part, and, and again, this this argument goes on for um, quite some time in Jesus's um, explanation here and, and really throughout the rest of the Gospel of John, to be quite honest. But um, this in short is what he claims. He claims he is God. And the religious leaders, as we said, they don't miss this. Uh, they want to kill him because of this, and so let's keep that in mind as we um, continue our study this morning. That this is the um, the reason, as verse eighteen says. Look at it again with me. This is this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal. With God. So I want us to see this morning three ways in which we see the unifying work of the Father and the Son. Three ways in which we see the unifying work of the Father and the Son. Number one is this, and again, you should have this written for you the Father and the Son do the same work. The Father and the Son do the same work. Looking again at verses 19 and 20, first we're reminded uh, that this statement truly, truly is a statement of affirmation that was usually reserved by rabbis for the end of a statement. In other words, they would, usually quoting somebody else, um, make a statement and then at the end say basically like amen and amen or truly, truly, this is a true statement. Well, Jesus front loads this Uh, In what he says, what I'm about to say is true. And and that shows a level of authority that the rabbis uh, did not even take. Remember, um, the people responded to Jesus uh, by saying, um, never has a man spoken like this before or never has a man uh, spoken with this kind of authority before. And so um, once again, uh, Jesus has just shown his power. Um, in the healing of the uh, lame man on the Sabbath, and so he is able to make such such statements, these um, very very authoritative statements. So we're about to peer into the mystery of these eternal relations of the Father and Son, and at least as I mentioned, in some sense the Spirit as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus now describes the eternal relations between the Father and the Son in this way. Look at it again with me. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So he does it kind of in three ways here. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So understand that. Um, Jesus is not speaking as if um, he is some lesser being that is dependent upon his father in in some sense that um, in the trinitarian relations that um, Jesus is somehow sort of a lesser one. No, no. Jesus is saying he is equal with the Father. He's already said that, but but he is talking about this um, intra trinitarian. Um, work Um, the father uh, is the one who um, uh, sends the son and the son does Um, so this is not um, Jesus being some sort of a lesser uh, being in fact if he is a lesser being then he is not God there is one being one nature of God one essence and three persons we're just talking about these inter or intra-Trinitarian relations so uh, seeing the works of the Trinity um, so we see the father loves the son. This is Trinitarian language. The father shows the son all that he himself is doing. Um, this is again, this um, picture, this description of the eternal relations of the Trinity. The father is always the father. The son is always the son. The spirit is always the spirit. And they always act outwardly. In, in the Latin, we call that the ad extra of the Trinity. They they always exercise externally those internal relations. And, and dear ones, let me just remind you, um, we cannot fully grasp this. Um, the language that God is using here to describe this through the author of John the Apostle um, gives us but a picture of, of these truths and we cannot fully grasp it. It is a mystery. And so we hold on to it by faith because God does Tell us these things, and uh, yet it also is crucial for us in our understanding of the mission of Jesus in coming to the earth to do the will uh, of the Father, um, to do the will of the Trinity um, in the um, in the outworking of you know things like um, the Lamb being slain before the foundations of the world. I mean, this uh, idea of one coming uh, to, to the world, to, to die for sinners. It's not something that God comes up with after, uh, mankind's fall concerning how he's going to redeem a people for himself and how he is going to be glorified through. This is all wrapped up together. And so we're just seeing a sort of a piece of that this morning together. So, um, Greater works, he says, than these will he show him. The the father will show the son greater works. Uh, The miracle uh, that Jesus had just done is what he's referencing in greater works. They just saw a a phenomenal work, a a miracle, a man who had been lame for 38 years, excuse me, able to walk again. And greater works will he show him than this. And uh, certainly in all the miracles of Jesus, especially those that John is pointing to in his gospel, we see that. But particularly, what is the work that Jesus is has come to do? He has come to save His people from their sins, and so even the idea of the cross, um, though uh, it is sinful man who puts um, Jesus on the cross, <clears throat> Paul, I'm sorry, Peter makes this very clear in Acts chapter two that this is the predetermined plan of God that um, that this is what would happen. And the miracle is what we see here, that that son is able to give um, dead people, dead and spiritually dead people life. We're going to see that in just a moment. Um, And he says, he, he does these things, he shows him these works, so that you may marvel. And Jesus is talking to those in the crowd currently that he's speaking with, but also certainly speaking with us. We have record of this. God in his providence has given us his word and we together this morning uh, study this together and we are so enriched if we are in Christ and blessed by these truths and uh, just in awe and amazement and, and, and we marvel, we truly do at who God is and what he has done for us. So here we're given insight into who God is and we seek to understand it because God has revealed it to us. Let me just pause for a moment and say um, as a reminder that we have been given God's word as a stewardship. Yes, certainly those of us who are in Christ and called to the ministry are to be proclaiming the word, but all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to faith by hearing the word and uh, you know, hearing produces in us faith, uh, as Paul says. And so uh, we need to be those who are um, studying God's word being enriched by it, yes, certainly being convicted, but not condemned because we are no longer under condemnation, but we are enriched by God's word. Let's study these things. Let's not just say, oh, I have a simple faith. I believe in Jesus. Well, which Jesus do you believe in? Because there's a lot of versions of Jesus that are out there. Jesus tells us who he is here and we must worship him as he says he is. And so um, uh, that is what we're doing this morning together. So In one sense, we take this idea of what Jesus is speaking of eternally here. Uh, You know, the Son does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, verse 19. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Son is eternally the Son in relation to the Father. Concerning the nature and essence, the Son is eternally co-equal with the Father and the Spirit, and they are eternally one God you're going to hear me say that a lot this morning. Jason, why do you keep repeating that? Well, because it is a truth that has been maligned. It is a truth that has uh, been taught improperly. Um, and, and even in some evangelical churches, we have um, taught um, you know something called the canonic theory uh, where Jesus has somehow laid aside his um, divinity and um, is <clears throat> only some sort of a spirit-controlled man in the incarnation. No, Jesus is... Uh, truly God and truly man. And we must remember that this morning. And so in what sense is he truly God? He is truly God in being. Uh, His nature as God is united to a human nature, two natures, one person. And yet, even within that one essence of God, there is an eternal relating um, that is for lack of better terms, eternal. I just said eternal twice. It is in eternal relating, that is eternal. The father is only the father. The son is only the son. The spirit, only the spirit, yet one essence in being. And these internal operations of persons are then seen to us in the external operations of the persons. Though the son is eternally one in essence with the father, he is the one who is sent by the father. Being the one who is sent, he is therefore humbled in the incarnation always maintaining what he has been, eternal God, and yet adding a nature to his person, uh, to his, um, uh, adding a, a nature to his person. Yes, one person, two natures. And in the incarnation, doing the work that he has been assigned by the father. And yet it is also what the father is doing. We can't miss that. We can't miss that. It's not the father just saying, son, do this, but it is the work of the Trinity. He only does what he sees the father doing. This is the unification of the will of the Trinity. The, 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 the son in his eternal person is not at odds with the father and his human nature is not at odds with um, the one person. He is one person, the, the son. And so uh, in the incarnation, he's doing the work that is assigned by his father. And yet it's also what the father is doing. There is no separation of the eternal will, father to son. But in the incarnation, the outworking of that will is through the human will of the son as well. Because Jesus has two wills in concert with him having two natures. And so we see his human will submitting to the Trinitarian will. they say, "Well, Jason, I've never heard that before. That Jesus has two wills." I am so sorry that that has been mistaught by the church in many ways, but it is true. Um, and uh, it again, it's not something we can get our, our minds wrapped around. But we see this, per, you know, uh, for instance, in the garden uh, where Jesus is saying, "If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours, be done." Um, it is not that Jesus, in his eternal um, <clears throat> will is somehow opposed to the father just saying in his humanity in that moment and again this is mystery okay please understand that but in his humanity he understands what he's about to face we can't just put out there the part where he says let this cup pass from me we have to also include that latter part that says yet not my will but yours be done in his humanity is struggling with that but In his humanity, he also submits to the Trinitarian will, which is that he has to go to the cross to drink um, the cup of the wrath of God uh, for humanity, for those from every tribe, tongue, and nation who would believe in him. Well, Jesus uh, bounces back to this unity by speaking of the love that the Father has for him. Look at it again. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. What is the motivation for why the father does this? What is the motivation for um, uh, him showing the son what he is doing and and doing the same works as them? It is the love that the father has for the son. The love that the father has for the son. Now, my friend, Dr. Christopher Holmes, in writing a book on the Holy Spirit, he quotes Augustine who says this, and this is where I think we can see the, the spirit coming to play, even in what Jesus is saying here. So Chris Chris Holmes in his book on the Holy Spirit is quoting Augustine. Here's what Augustine says. The spirit is the supreme charity, or in our language, love, the supreme charity conjoining the Father and the Son to each other. So what Augustine is arguing is that the spirit is the love it is the spirit he is um uh, the, the the in the intra-trinitarian relationship the the uh, representation of love between the father and the son doesn't mean he's not a person doesn't mean he is not um equal with god this is just part of what he does in his person between the father and the son listen to what Augustine says further on John chapter 5 and verse 19, the very text that we're studying together. Augustine says, quote, the works of the Father and the Son are inseparable. What have I actually said? Just as the Father and Son are themselves inseparable, so too are the works of the Father and the Son inseparable. In what way are the Father and Son inseparable? In the way he himself Uh, he said himself, I and the Father are one. John 10 and verse 30, a text we haven't gotten to, but we need to recognize where Jesus says that he and the Father are one. Uh, Continuing with Augustine, in the way the Father and Son are not two gods, but one God, the Word, and the one whose word he is, the one and only God, Father and Son, bound together by love. And theirs is the one spirit of love. So the Father... And the Son and the Holy Spirit constitute the Trinity. So we can't think about love um, apart from God. God is love, and so God, in His isness, in His very essence, is not made up of parts, but He is love. But what Augustine is arguing, and I think probably what Jesus is referring to here in John chapter five, is that the Spirit, the Spirit, is the expression of love within the Trinity, and Um, you know, we see Jesus saying things like this, you know, God has poured out his love to us in the spirit. And so we begin to see, again, these internal operations of the Trinity um, outworking in certain ways in their operations toward humanity. And what Jesus is saying here is that God is always acting. Um, The the theologians uh, say God is pure act uh, God is what he is, and therefore um, these operations are externally uh, coming in contact with us, if you will, through the incarnation. And, and what does Jesus say even in, at the end of the Gospel of John? He is going to send another, a comforter, um, uh, one who will show us all things that the Father and the Son have uh, told him to show us. And so we see some of this coming together. So how do we apply this? Some of how we apply these truths is by believing that these are true statements and worshiping the Lord because of them. So we think about practical application very much. We're we're often you know, kind of thinking like, okay, uh, how do I live my Christian life more externally in this way? And sometimes it is less about um, the activity towards others, loving neighbor, but we should love neighbor, but also more about loving God. I mean, if we're thinking about the, you know, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives, love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourselves. This is part of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, is it not? Um, We are seeking to understand what God has revealed about himself. And this ought to, blow our song jesus says we had a marvel at this you know and so we are so grateful that jesus and god and the spirit reveal these things to us and we just worship the lord who is triune who has acted in these ways and love toward us uh, that he would send his only son into the world that whoever uh, believes in him might have eternal life and not be condemned what a wonderful truth Um, what a adding to that, not because of what it only does for us, but what it reveals to us about God. So, um, we cannot fully grasp the inner workings of the Trinity, just as we cannot fully grasp the will of God in our current situation in which we find ourselves. But these truths of who God is and the reality of the triunity help us remember the incomprehensibility of God. Therefore, his greatness, therefore reminds us that he is the creator and we are not we are his creatures and we owe him worship. And so for those of us who are in Christ, um, we can truly worship him as he is and as he's revealed himself to us. By this, Jesus is seeking to show the hearers of his day, specifically the religious leaders who have taken him to task on calling God his father, which they knew meant he was equating himself to God. He was illustrating this using language of them doing the same work and that the love that is true between the father and son, as the father shows the son what he is doing, and ultimately it's an indication of the triunity of the Godhead where we see the spirit involved in well. And yet there are greater works than these still that he will be shown that they may marvel. Well, what are these greater works? We kind of mentioned it a little bit, uh, but we see this in our next point. Number two here, the father and son give life and the son judges. Now, it's an interesting thing to think about. Why is it that the father and son give life, but Only the Son judges. We're going to see that here in our study this morning. So here we begin to see the works of which Jesus is speaking. Look at verses 21 through 23. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So the father, it says, first of all, raises the dead and gives life to them. Uh, You can't help but think that Jesus is probably speaking uh, the language of the Jews that are listening to him. And what would have come to mind uh, in regard to the way in which uh, God had raised the dead? Well, we think about um, prophets like Elijah and Elisha who raised the dead. Uh, We think about those um, events in the Old Testament where uh, there was not just a spiritual life given, which we do see that certainly, but God showing that he is God over life and death by those who were dead. being brought back to life by, by the prophets. And certainly later in Jesus's ministry, he is going to do that as well, uh, particularly Lazarus, which is kind of the, the last straw for the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and, and the religious leaders uh, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But uh, at least in part, what they had to be thinking was, yes, God is one who raises the dead uh, to life. Uh, so also the Son gives life to those whom he wills. And so we recognize that um, this is both uh, physical life and spiritual life. Um, We'll certainly see that in our passage this morning, but also displayed as we go throughout the rest of the Gospel of John. But um, Jesus' claim here that he is able to give life as the Father does. I mean, he jumps from... You know, I'm doing the works that I see my father do, and, and certainly this idea of um, a lame man for 38 years being able to made walk immediately. When you would think about things like, you know, muscle atrophy and, and these kinds of things, like immediate healing, up and walking around. Uh, now he is saying he can bring the dead back to life, in that he gives life as the Father gives life. I mean, uh, the the Jews would have understood this in such a sense. Uh, as if this is if this person is claiming to do this they are claiming to be God I mean my goodness bringing the dead back to life I mean um, not that what they hadn't seen was marvelous enough but my goodness and then Jesus makes this interesting statement about the father judging no one but giving all judgment to the son in the outworking of the Trinitarian relationships it is the son who judges it is the son who whom the father gives judgment to. And so um, though Jesus had not come into the world to condemn the world, as he says, um, but that the world through him might gain eternal life, um, his very presence in the world, though, judges the world. This is indeed judging the hearts of the religious leaders currently, is it not? Um, He he did not come to condemn. uh, He came to give life, but certainly even his presence in the midst of Israel brings a sort of judgment because what's going on here? Um, the religious leaders are, uh, you know, they want to kill him. Why? Because he's claiming to be equal with God. And yet he will be the final uh, judge as well as the one sitting on the throne of judgment in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. We're not going to turn there this morning, but I would encourage you to look at that later on. It is. It is uh, we would assume, and I think rightly assume, that it is Jesus who is seated on the throne there in Revelation chapter 20, and he is the one who is judging. And and notice, though, what is said uh, uh, after this, what what Jesus says in um, the verses, um, verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. In other words, the Father gives judgment to the Son uh, not because he himself is not also judging, their wills are the same, but he gives that judgment into the hands of the son so that all may honor uh, the son. And in light of the incarnation, we must remember that Jesus is despised and rejected of men. I mean, here is someone who comes onto the planet, <clears throat> just like any of the rest of us do. He's, he's born, he's born to a normal family. He's not born normally, and that is, his birth is miraculous. It's a virgin birth, but I mean, certainly uh, we see this in the way that the the Nazarenes respond to Jesus. You know, who is this? Is this, this is the, the son of the carpenter and who is he claiming to be? There's like the religious leaders right now are saying to him in our passage, uh, we need to kill this guy. He's claiming to be God. This is blasphemy. But how will the son be honored? Well, certainly in human eyes, not through a death. I mean, goodness, any, everybody dies. And in fact, the way that Jesus dies is, is a shameful death. But in the fact that he is resurrected, that he has ascended, and that in his ascension, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is the one who comes to judge. I mean, let's think about this in our modern day thoughts of that people have about who Jesus is. I mean, maybe he's a good you know, a good speaker, a good motivator. He was a good man. He, he did nice things. Um, but he's not God. I mean, that's maybe the thought, I mean, some people, does even God exist? I mean, we go all the way to that extreme, but, um, certainly people mock Jesus in our day. And can you imagine, um, what it will be like for those in that day if they do not repent, if they do not, um, turn to Christ and trust fully in him and who he said he was, in that day, they will recognize who Jesus is. And what does Philippians 2 say? In that day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to what? To the glory of the Father. Paul in that passage in Philippians is simply, uh, well, he's, he's uh, probably uh, singing a hymn that they would sing in the early church, but, but the expression of that is, is that the Son will be honored. And in the honoring of the Son, the Father will be honored, and we assume as well the Spirit. The triune Godhead will be honored. Um, this is the truth that needs to be proclaimed. Jesus is God. And so judgment is given into his hand so that all that might say today, Jesus isn't God, or who cares about Jesus, in that day, they will recognize that judgment has been given into his hand, and they will be bowing before him of course for those in that day it will be too late but he is God so it's not just that the son is honored but as the son is honored so too the father is honored Um, because currently in all reality we're still in that Isaiah 53 kind of moment aren't we Um, except for those who have trusted in the in in Jesus um, there uh, are those that despise and reject Jesus And, um, though that's true of what happened at the cross and, and all the days leading up to the cross, it's still true today, um, that Jesus has not come back to judge yet. So therefore we have an opportunity to proclaim the good news to people as we consider even these truths this morning, there's another application, you know, are we proclaiming Christ to the world, um, who he is, who he said he is. Um, so we understand from this, it is the Trinitarian goal that glory comes to the son and therefore the Trinity as Jesus is exalted and given the name above all names. He is life giving in the sense that he gives life in order to ransom many sons to glory. So just as he raises men from the dead, as we see in the gospels, we also recognize that he gives eternal life. He is the giver of life in the sense that, um, he, um, Brings uh, life eternal to fallen sinners. We think back to the garden and Adam and the opportunity that Adam had to, I I think, secure eternal life through the tree of life, um, through obedience first to the to the mandate of God, which he failed to do. Well, what does Jesus come and do? Jesus comes and succeeds where Adam fails, and therefore uh, he is not only um, the second Adam but true man. And uh, we will be conformed to his image. We're being conformed to his image if we're in Christ. And we will be conformed to him truly one day. And what sort of honor and glory does that bring to God? I mean, ultimate honor and glory that the creatures of God who fell um, and therefore did not attain the glory that they might have attained had they uh, had Adam obeyed and eaten from the tree of life. No, the tree of life becomes the tree upon which Jesus is placed, the cruel and wicked tree of human making. And Jesus' death upon the cross and his resurrection bring life and resurrection to those who are in him. So he gives life by bringing the physically dead to life in his earthly ministry, but he also secures eternal life, resurrection life for those who believe in him by way of the cross. So the honor given the son is the same honor given to the father, for they are one. And as Jesus says here, if one does not honor him, he does not honor the father. You have to understand the gravity of this to those that are listening. To those of us who know this, it seems like no big big deal, but it should be. This is a rebuking to the Jews who would like to think that they honor God, but they are not willing to honor Jesus. They thought they knew God. In fact, Jesus is going to challenge them about this. You search the scriptures because you believe in them is eternal life. But you don't want to honor me. You don't want to find in the scriptures that they point to me. In our day, if anyone does not honor the son, they are not honoring the father. Now, this will come as a, a shock to you when I say this. If what Jesus says is true here, we have to understand that that means that The Jewish people today who are practicing Judaism do not worship the true God of the Bible. Muslims do not worship the true God of the Bible. Why? Because they do not honor the Son of God. They do not see that Jesus is God. And and Jesus says here plainly, if you do not honor the Son, you cannot honor the Father. It is a false theology to say that the Jews of our day who practice Judaism worship the God of the Bible of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he reveals that to be himself. Jesus reveals that to be himself in the New Testament. And certainly as well, Muslims who worship Allah are not worshiping the God of the Bible because they reject that Jesus is the son of God. And for many other reasons than than that, they don't worship the God of the Bible, but, but we have to understand that they don't worship god so we have to (laughs) proclaim christ to our jewish unbelieving friends our muslim unbelieving friends all of our unbelieving friends who would reject that jesus is who he says he is so they're denying god they're denying father son and spirit as who they reveal themselves to be so in what sense Do we then understand these things to be so? Um, This idea of eternal life given by the Son. Well, Jesus displays this in our final point. Thirdly, the one who believes these things is given eternal life. Look at verse 24. So we see the statement again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Again, we see Jesus emphasizing that these things he is saying is true. And uh, I I put this out on social media a couple weeks ago when I was studying this. I said, this is a truth bomb par excellence. A truth bomb par excellence. I mean, Jesus is just saying it how it is. There's no getting away from this statement. Um, Jesus drops his truth in the laps of those who are listening to him back in this day. And he drops his truth in the laps of those who are listening to this right now or who come across this passage. Whoever hears my words and believes them and believes him who sent me, sorry, has eternal life. So Jesus is, he is wrapping up his message in concert with the fact that he has been sent by the Father to do this mission. Jesus is preaching. I mean, in essence, we understand this. Jesus is the word of God expressly coming into the world. And so the things that he says are from the Father and those who believe his words, therefore are believing him who sent him, the Father sending the Son, and those have eternal life. We cannot miss this crucial connection the scripture teaches that the father son and holy spirit are one in essence but not in person how they relate to one another inside the trinity as we've said ad intra in the latin reflects how they work out the plan the ad extra so the father creates through the son and the father redeems through the son therefore the son is the one who comes and puts on humanity so jesus's words here are these He is the one who is sent by the Father to give life to whom he wills and judge whom he wills. And this is ultimately done on the cross. And those who honor the Father must also honor the Son. And in so doing, believe Jesus' words about himself and believe that he has been sent from God. We have to take all of it, dear ones. We have to take the entire package. And as those who are in Christ, we're... We're just being reminded this morning. We have done this. We have trusted him, but we continue to trust him. Those who believe are given eternal life, but the one who does not passes into judgment. These are Jesus's words. These are not my words this morning. This is what Jesus says in confronting the Jews about what they're saying about him, about wanting to kill him because he has equated himself with the father. Look at it again, verse 24. Truly, 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 Amen and amen. This is true. This is said with authority. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It has to be both of those things. It's believing that Jesus is sent by the Father, that these words are true, that he is the only one who can grant life. Just as he sees the Father resurrecting the dead, he too is resurrecting the the spiritually dead unto eternal life the one who believes these things of eternal life, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That is true of us if we're in Christ. If we have trusted in Christ and what he says here, which we see in the fullness that comes to be in his earthly ministry, certainly he perfectly obeys the law. He perfectly obeys the plan of the Trinity. He goes to the cross. He uh, lives a perfect life. He dies a death that sinners deserved. He is raised again. We see that unfolding here, but those who believe in him have eternal life. Those who do not believe in him are condemned, but those who do believe in him pass from death unto life. Which are you? Are you the one who has believed the words of Jesus concerning who he is? He is God, and through him, through his life, death, and resurrection, we are able to have eternal life. Have you trusted him? Jesus is who he says he is. He is the eternal son and he is God, equal with the father and spirit. And he he is the one who is sent into the world to be the perfect lamb of God, who takes away the sins of all who would believe in him from every tribe, tongue, and nation. (coughs) Excuse me. That is the essence of what Jesus is saying here. If you are one who has believed in him, are you continuing to trust him in all of life? Are you in the midst of this current situation believing that Jesus is a life giver? It's an important question right now, isn't it? As we face these uncertain days, it doesn't mean necessarily that he will rescue us from death through whatever, COVID-19, a car accident, whatever. But we are those who hold on to Jesus because he is the one who has granted us eternal life. This is a God-centered truth. It's not all about us. We have been granted this eternal life to the glory of the triune God, to the to the exalting, to the exaltation of Jesus and his name as the one who judges, as the one who is the giver of life, just as he sees the Father giving life. He has granted and promised us eternal life. How much more will he also grant us what we need in this moment? He is worthy of our trust. And as we have seen and talked about this morning, he is worthy of our praise. And all the glory is to be given to him in the midst of what we're facing now. And when this trial is over, the next trial that comes, and we remember that he is the one who has granted eternal life. And if you're one who has not fully put your life and eternal life in the hands of Jesus, trusting in his perfect life, death and resurrection alone to be reconciled to God. There is a coming judgment in which Jesus will judge both the great and the small. And there will not be an opportunity to receive from him what you don't deserve, mercy and grace, but only what you do, which is judgment for your sins. Trust him today. Trust him today, dear ones. And so as we close this morning, I want to just remind us once again, Jesus is who he says he is. He is the eternal son of God. He was the one who was sent. He came to bring life, but he is also the one who ultimately will judge and his name will be exalted as God when that judgment comes. Do you know him? If you do, continue to trust him, continue to worship him, love and obey him. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you have not trusted him, I call to you today. Repent. Uh, Turn from your sins. Trust in Christ as the only way to be reconciled to God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you this morning for these truths. We pray that we would um, continue to trust in you as not only the one who has given us eternal life, but given us everything we need for life and godliness in these trying times, Lord. And uh, Lord, may we continue to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we continue to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, may we reach out to one another in the context of our local assembly and certainly reach out to our neighbors and proclaim the truth to them. And for those who do not know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that you would remove their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And Lord, that they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ today, turning from their sin and trusting in him alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.